Hey, everyone. Today's guest is the immensely talented, very funny Fred Armisen. You know Fred from SNL, Portlandia, and hopefully as an art aficionado on Late Night with Seth Meyers, which just makes me laugh every time. I met Fred the first time I hosted SNL and have always regretted not being able to talk with him more. His comedy is so unusual, and I think he's just a genius. For our unqualified segment, Fred and I first talk with Sierra, who wishes that her 10 years older boyfriend was more romantic. She wonders if their age difference and difference in expectation could be a larger problem. Our next call is with Sarah, who, after getting married at 21, has been feeling lonely when her husband is away working. After a flirtation with a stranger, Sarah's guilt has left her questioning her marriage and why flirting felt so good. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're in need of unqualified relationship advice, we'd love to hear from you. Just look for the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I cannot tell you what an honor this is. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. We're such super fans, and I know that I'm not alone. Do people approach you with a lot of familiarity? Yeah, but I don't mind it. It's like not a bad thing in that I identify with it and I understand it. And it's a little bit like they're not wrong, you know, like, you know, there's not much more. I don't know. I don't mean it like that. No, that's a wonderful way to put it. It's kind of pressure relieving when you say that, actually. You know, that there's not more, that you want to have an exchange, like, You've bonded clearly over a similar worldview. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's almost like, yeah, we come from the same, you know, if they're watching stuff that I do, we come from the same place. And the other thing is also like any work that I've done, I feel like it is really a part of me. So it's not like, you know, I played a role in some movie that is so separate from me that I'm like, oh, no, you don't know me. But usually I'm like, yeah, whatever you're thinking is just about right anyway. One of the many things I admire about you is how curious you are. And I was listening to your A24 podcast with Jason Schwartzman, and you were talking about uh, your love of sign language. And I was thinking about how much I love people that are curious. I wish I was more. Sometimes I feel lazy. But then I was wondering if arbitrary things annoy you as a curious person. So many. And it's nice of you to think of it that way, that I'm a curious person, but I just feel like I also feel lazy. There's like the few things that I'm interested in, but there's so much that I am so very not interested in. I check out, you know, I can't think of what it is at the moment, but like there are many things that I'm just like, oh, that's too much for me to try to grasp. So it's kind of limited. It's like, I like sign language or certain languages or the sounds of languages, even with music. I don't even think I'm like, I love all music and I just want to know about it all. Even there, I have my limitations. There's a lot of music out there that isn't like in regular, I'm using the word regular, but like in 4-4 time, that because I can't understand it, I actually get impatient with it. I'm like, I can't understand how complex this music is, so I can't really listen to it right now. Classical music is that way for me. I wish I was more curious about classical music. As soon as I hear all these, you know, these movements and changes and the length of the song, I just wish I was better at knowing who is who, who composed what, why it came to be. 
I'm always fascinated by the why. Yeah. Fred, when I was a kid, the concept of infinity would just blow my mind. I would obsess about it, and then I kind of came to terms with the idea that with mortality, in a sense, like, we're just never going to know. We are the ants of something, just having absolutely no idea. Now that I'm older, I give up on much smaller ideas much quicker. Yeah, so I know exactly what you mean. I also remember, like, that the idea of infinity was too overwhelming when I was a kid. It was just like, I kept asking about it and not even listening for an answer. How could you answer it? But with ants, the way I think of it is the fact that they die and then everything else keeps going on and also that they're still in the earth, that to me is the infinity of it. I remember there was a science show I was watching and they were talking about the Big Bang and everything. And then the host was like, the thing that's amazing is we were all there. You know, because physically, whatever we were, you know, in matter existed back then. So now I believe in it more and we just don't have to consciously be there. It's also kind of nice. It's kind of like a relief that I'm glad I don't really have to be wherever that infinity is to be conscious and like witnessing it all. And that's fine with me. Like, we'll all be gone and then it'll keep going, whatever it is. Fred, I love that, by the way. The reason why I thought about this concept of bringing up sort of childhood weirdness in particular with you is because I imagine you were an incredibly curious child as well. Well, it's weird because like if I were to say like I was a really curious kid, it almost could come off as like bragging, you know, like I was so, you know, so I was it was more that curious things were all around me. Anyways, we moved a lot. We lived in Brazil for a couple of years. My parents aren't American. So like I was first generation. So because there were like different languages and different nationalities around, it's less that I was curious, but it was more that there was like so much curious stuff around me, just like all the travel and music and language and stuff. How did you deal as a young person with so much change? Did you feel lonely? I mean, everyone feels lonely. Yeah, it wasn't easy because... Only now can I appreciate it, you know? Oh, I got to go to Brazil and Venezuela. But at the time, you know, I was like sort of taken away from my friends every couple of years or five years or something. And so that was like a strange feeling where I had sort of had to disconnect. So it was kind of lonely. And then I grew up on Long Island, but then we moved to Brazil. And that was sad because I missed America. Like I missed my toys and I missed, you know, the commercials and the way that things were. And even though I went to an American school in Brazil, I couldn't really handle it. I couldn't understand it. Also, when a parent tells you, like, it's for work, I don't even know, didn't even know what that meant. Wow. Like, yeah, you know, it's for your job. What does that mean? Why don't we just stay in, in New York? But that said, I'm really glad I went. I'm glad that we did all of that. And it brought us together as a family. And I got to experience so much. Would you have considered yourself or would you consider yourself a romantic? I'm romantic about like being a martyr for work. So I'm romantic about a long flight to Italy. Oh my God, it was so long and I was jet lagged and then I had to go work right away. <laughs> There's like a romance to that. Or like, um, I remember when I was in my twenties, I got like a chip in my tooth from a microphone, you know, and it was romantic. I was like, yeah, because I was on stage and, you know, so that kind of stuff has like a romantic element to it. So yeah, and I think that like, when I listen to music, there's like a romantic element to it. I live in LA, 
looking out into like the hills and like, you know, when it's twinkly, it feels very romantic. But at the same time, I'm kind of solitary. Did you, like as an eight or 10 year old, did you have crushes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you believe that you were in love at that time? I couldn't understand what it was. So it wasn't quite that. And I don't even know if we use the word crush. I think we used the word like back then. I think we were like, you know, you like so-and-so or, you know. But do you like like her? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it wasn't until like high school that the idea of like falling in love with someone entered into my head. What was your high school experience like? I loved high school. Like maybe in like ninth grade or, or so, I really gave myself over to punk rock. Like I was really into punk and my friends were into punk and, you know, we picked up instruments and we believed in it in a way that I still do now. That part of me is still very alive. And I think like 11th grade, I got a mohawk and me and my friends, we joked around with each other all the time. Fred, that must have totally shaped, of course, your high school experience. I think in high school, you know, you feel like your world is so small, like you're angsty, like, how do I get out? I'm waiting for the next step. But you kind of had that direct channel. I had it a bit with theater, but I love it that that gave you a whole drive through that miserable time of life. Yeah. (laughs) What existed in your high school that you were able to do that? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I had been lucky enough, my mom enrolled me into an acting class when I was nine. And I started, through that acting teacher, auditioning for plays around Seattle. So I was doing, like, adult theater plays all around Seattle while going to school, which was incredible that I had those experiences because it just, of course, taught me so much. And getting a chance to work with adult actors, of course, was really rewarding and crazy. So she enrolled you. Did you ask for that or did she decide that? No. The teacher suggested that I try out for a play at the Seattle Repertory Theater. It was an Arthur Miller play called Danger Memory. And I ended up booking the role. And then from there, became like, you know, part of my world and gave me so much. I remember one time I went back to my small hometown of Edmonds, Washington, and someone at like the local bar told me that apparently when I was like a junior in high school, I was telling everyone that I was going to go to Hollywood and become a movie star. You kind of knew a little bit, or you had it in your sights. No, no. I had no intention of going to Los Angeles. I thought that would be kind of a life of misery and that I wouldn't make it. I felt talented. I did not feel beautiful. So I knew, like, I had that in me. And the reason why I felt like I was talented was simply because how can it not be truthful if I'm feeling it so deeply, you know? Yeah. How can that not be good? Yeah. And then after I graduated from college, I was going to work in an ad agency in London. 
And I got cast in this horror movie called Lover's Lane. And then I sent a tape in for a scary movie. That's how soon that was? Yes. Isn't that crazy? Like someone had shoved me right into the deep end. Yeah, you did like one or two things before you got started. On day one of Scary Movie, I was so terrified that my co-star kept saying like, say your line. You have a line. Say your line. And I was like, ah. Uh, I didn't know what a mark was. Like, it was really terrifying. I remember thinking that I was going to get fired because I also never felt funny. I never had done any comedic work. So it's been a really interesting journey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably kind of cool. Not probably. I mean, obviously, it's cool that, like, you didn't go into it from, like, stand-up comedy or, like, comedy being, like, the first thing. That's great. It's a sort of side door of getting into it. Yeah, I could never have intentionally gotten to the same place. Okay, are you ready to talk to Sierra? Oh, let's do it. Yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for your letter, Sierra. Can you tell our listeners what's going on? Okay, so just a little backstory. My boyfriend and I have been together for about two years. We have a 10-year age difference. I don't know if that will help anything. Yes. (laughs) Everybody says that. (laughs) Um, Well, because you want to believe that it's not true. But in my experience, it can be. Okay, sorry, Sierra. That's okay. So since my submission, I'm pretty sure I blabbed, like I rambled on in my submission. I don't remember everything I said. (laughs) Do you mind if I read a little bit of it? Okay. Okay. So you guys have been together for two years. There's a Mm -hmm. 10-year age difference. He isn't very conventionally romantic. I think he's trying, though. Lately, he's been trying. Before this relationship, I was with guys who would do romantic gestures for me, like randomly getting me flowers or surprising me with my favorite meal or something. My current boyfriend now is not that romantic. 
He is financially supportive, as he does give me money from time to time or ask me if I want him to order dinner. Mm-hmm. And we split bills currently. I love it. You were like, because I'm a grown woman, I can pay my bills. <laughs> and then you say, I used to buy myself flowers when I was single. And I do hint to him that I like flowers, but he says, well, they're just going to die anyway. So why buy more of them? This is also the other part that I thought would have hurt my feelings. I wrote him a brief love note on a napkin before a trip he took, and he threw it away. If he did something like that for me, I would have kept it forever. First of all, how much do you futurize right now? Are you thinking about, like, next steps in terms of, like, marriage and kids and stuff? Yeah, like, I couldn't see myself with anyone else. And we've talked about marriage. We went to look at rings last year. We're looking at houses, which... I would like to get after marriage because that's a little bit more of a commitment financially. We talked about kids. His mom nags me constantly because, of course, he's 10 years older than me. I'm 28. I'll be 29 in a couple weeks. And he's going to be 39 next year. So his mom nags me a little bit about children. And I'm like, uh, hello. <laughs> and I <have> ring it. <laughs> I've been noticing that right now, as we're attempting to break out of this pandemic cocoon, it feels like we spent the last year and a half reminiscing. And then suddenly we're all like leaping into the future. Like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? (laughs) To me, it feels pretty jarring. Fred, do you? I completely agree. It's really strange. People are just, it's almost like a diving board or something, where all of a sudden, I really do feel like I'm looking around like, whoa, where's everybody going? Like, it, it almost feels like a, like a fire drill. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's just up and moving. So, yeah, I agree. Anyway, we're here together, guys. Okay, Sierra. <laughs> now, wait. So, you have a really nice relationship. Yeah. Where do you guys think you could improve? We need to work on communication. And I think that's very hard for me. I don't think he's ever had to really work on it that much. So, it's hard for both of us. Like, if we get in an argument, big or small, I'll shut down, go upstairs, go in the room, shut the door, and, like, won't talk to him until the next day. And that happens a lot. <laughs> I mean, I totally believe in waiting out a chemical release yeah. in your brain. Your body can't shift. You cannot go from a place of, like, heightened anger and emotion to a place of generosity. It's a whiplash. Yeah. So I think you handle that really well. Oh, thanks. When you guys do argue, what are the things that you argue about? One thing is like, I was in two car accidents, both not my fault, both brand new cars totaled from people I don't know hitting me. So I have PTSD driving. Oh. Like, it's bad and I probably should go to therapy. (laughs) So when I'm driving, like, I'll give you an example. We went up to my school, which is in Athens, or like an alumni thing. I was driving on 32, which is not really a highway highway, but it's like a 60 mile an hour max highway. And he was just so frustrated, like the whole time on our way back, because I don't drive fast. Like that frustrates him. And then I'm using my GPS. He's like, why don't you know where you're going? So it sounds like there is sort of a gap in communication if he doesn't understand how you feel about driving because of these accidents. And I I wonder how open you've been about this. But Fred, what are your thoughts? Well, just going back a couple steps, 
I will say that like sometimes in the heat of the moment, he might not have understood that you were stressed. Even though it seems crystal clear, sometimes in the moment, you just don't know what the other person's going through. You're on the road anyway, so it's already probably in his own way stressful for him. So I just want to leave a little space for that. Might have been a case of just saying to him, like, hey, just so you know, I'm just stressed out about this. Mm-hmm. I will say as a side note, I am a really slow, awful driver. I drive so slow, way too carefully, and in a way that's not helpful to anybody. You've done a ton of sketches about this. It's hysterical. It comes from a real place. I can feel it. I'm like, I know everyone's annoyed. I love speed limit. I like right at that speed limit. Yes, Boom. same. Leave it there. I drive way too fast, and I think it sometimes makes my husband nervous, but he's he's never said anything. So. With your boyfriend being older, what is the power dynamic like? Does he treat you as an equal? Yeah, um, I think he likes that I'm independent and all that. Well, what do you like about him? I love everything about him, honestly. Like, I don't think I've loved anybody more. Like, Sierra, I have, like, nothing to give you. What a nice thing. I know. Yeah. And then, so I talked about, like, him being romantic and all that. I think I more so feel like he's not around, like, Valentine's Day. But I just learned, literally, not that long ago, his father passed away on February 13th. So I felt, like, really crappy being mad at him that he didn't give me a Valentine's Day gift. And then we talked about it. And he actually opened up to me about everything. And That's amazing. And I can tell that you are really encouraging and like gentle with him because I think that'll just be a more fulfilling relationship, of course. It does sound like you guys do talk a lot. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, that there is discussion. Yeah, I feel like it just started happening lately. Before, like when we first started dating back in 2019, when I needed to talk to him, I would send him a big paragraph via text message. Like I wouldn't call him. And then he would respond back something, and I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. But like I said, now I just kind of shut down, and I don't like to go to sleep angry, but it does help a little bit. You know, Sierra, okay, so I never remember anybody's birthday. I'm just not as sentimental in that particular way. I think I'm very sentimental, but not in that way. And I know that it's hurt a lot of feelings of people, like in my past And, you know, even when I try to be thoughtful, there'll be some glaring thing that I'm like, oh, man. Right. For a a birthday or whatever. And, and yeah, it's just... Like you forgot how much President's Day means to me. (laughs) Yeah. And the people who remember, I'm always like, how do you do it? Sometimes I think, I'm like, do you have, like, a computer in front of you where you're just, like, accessing all this information? I don't know how some people do it. Completely. I I think, Sierra, that you interpret his forgetting these things as like, this hurts my feelings because I would never do that. Right. But it sounds like this to me is like sweating a little bit of the small stuff, in my opinion. And there is a great book called The Five Love Languages. Mm-hmm. But the way people, you know, from their childhood, sort of how they accept and give love. Mm -hmm. And Sierra, you may be time and gifts because that's how you want to receive love. So maybe check that book out too as like a healthy marriage exercise, you know? Yeah, I'll check it out. (laughs) Are you anxious about getting married? 
Oh man, a little bit. So like no one in my family has actually gotten married before they had children. And I feel like I have a lot of pressure from everybody to have kids. And I'm like, I'm not just going to start popping out babies without a ring, people. Good for you. I mean, (laughs) it's not about the idea of getting married before or after the kids. Mm -hmm. But I like how you know what you want. And, of course, getting married is a big life change. So it makes sense that you're anxious. Definitely. Fred, when are you anxious or nervous? And what do you do? I mean, I definitely recoil. Like, I get quiet when I get nervous. I do try to own it. Like you were saying for, like, a a part or something like that. I just let that be part of whatever I'm doing at that moment. I'm like, okay, well, this character is just nervous then. But in, like, regular life, if I'm nervous about something, I just get kind of quiet. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I get quiet about that kind of thing. That makes sense. I get like that sometimes. Fred, Do you subscribe to the love language idea? Have you read that book? No, but I agree with you. And by the way, people have told me about it as well. And I believe in the simplicity of it. Like, I like how, like, it gets right to it with the theory that there are different kinds of people. So I support you in that. It does allow you to understand your partner better and how certain gestures might mean more to them than they would to you and vice versa. I think after reading it, I became more thoughtful, but it kind of goes back to the idea of communication. You should let him know what's important to you, even if you appreciate different things, and then see what he does with that knowledge. And from everything you've been telling us, I think he will hear you and do what he can to make you happy. But, you know, he can't read your mind, so the first step is telling him what's important to you. Agreed. Definitely. I'm really excited for you, Sierra. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you for having me. Nice meeting you. So nice meeting you too. Bye, Sierra. Bye, Sierra. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. That was great. Wow, you're great at that. Thanks, Fred. So are you. It sounded to me like she was in kind of an okay place where she's clearly in love and seems like she's got a good support system around her, too. She's got family around her and to advise her and all that stuff. 
Although I do feel like I'm always telling people to not get married. <laughs> yeah. My parents are married and they've only been with each other since they were like 17, 16, 17. Anyway, so my brother and I, we both have been divorced twice and we're both married again three times. Like the statistics, we're not falling into line with conventional thinking. No, but your parents are good. I've seen both, you know. I think both my brother and I had the pressure that we just simply put on ourselves to get that part of our life settled, like our parents did. Wow. How old are they now? They are 74, 73 and 74. Wow. You know, because I can't use that thing of like, that was a different time, because I'm like, that sounds like it was like, those were kind of post-hippie times. Yes. Yeah. So that was kind of like people were sort of breaking away from the norm already, that they found each other. That's amazing. Yeah. I think when I got married the first time at 27, I put that pressure on myself. Like I felt that I was already a decade behind. Um, okay. Are you ready to talk with Sarah? Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Sarah, will you tell our listeners what's going on? Sure. Um, I'm one of those people that overthinks everything. I'm 25 and I've been married since I was 21. It was kind of a quick decision, but I mean, I don't regret it or anything, but I tend to overthink situations. And I sent in my submission after a night where I flirted with some men and it, it gave me such a high to feel wanted. But then after that, it was just guilty. And I feel like I'm just the worst person and the worst wife in the world. I think when you're in a relationship, flirting can be validating if something is missing. So can you tell us a little bit about your marriage? You know, it's it's hard to talk about because you want everyone to think that your marriage is perfect. Like, oh my God. It's so taboo. That's how I got married and why I stayed married, you know? Right. You want everyone to think that it's perfect. And even if it seems like that on the outside, and he is my best friend, but my dreams are not about him. My daydreams are not about him. And it like, that's what makes me worry is my conscious trying to, you know, trying to tell me something or what was the beginning of your relationship like? And how did you feel then compared with what you're describing now? Well, I think I feel the same as I did when I was 20. I, um, you know, I was with him since I was 19. And actually, like, a big life-changing thing happened right after we started dating. Um, you know, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And then two weeks later, my brother died. So it was a life-changing moment. And he was there for me in the way I needed him at that time. Oh, I can't imagine. I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, no. I love talking about him. Um, it happened. So in a lot of ways, it brought you two closer. Yeah, and it really showed me who he is. And I think I hang on to that a lot. He was very, very sweet in the beginning. And he's still sweet, but his career right now, it's made him kind of hard, you know? And I'm a very feeling person, and he is not. Is it the stress of his job? What is it, do you think, that's making him this way? Uh, it's mean communication. 
Oh. Yeah. They call each other names. They cuss at each other. Uh, It's. Oh, man. That is awful. I'm really sorry. Like, I'm sorry for him because, you know, we spend the majority of our day at work. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he has to keep his defense up all day long. And it's just incredibly difficult to switch gears completely, to go from his work environment with that kind of communication yeah. to being home and loving with you. We had to work on that, that he switches off that mean, you know, hard exterior when he gets home. Like, you're not going to talk to me that way, you know, because I'm not your friend. It's great that you guys are working on it, talking about it. And you said he's still sweet under that protective layer. Yeah. I think it's a choice if if you want to make your marriage work. And it may take your being patient with him, but you both need to put in effort to communicate with each other. And you might need to be overly gentle and not react immediately when he comes home with his walls still up. You might need to let him know that he's safe. Flirting is tricky because it's an easy way to satisfy, you know, to feel better about yourself. You said it kind of gave you a high. And who doesn't like attention? So you've been daydreaming about this other guy like looked him up on facebook like yeah yeah i feel you i don't think i would have you know done anything after that i just it's the daydreaming part yeah i know i've been there you're definitely not alone so i don't want you to beat yourself up the fact that you feel guilty tells me you do love your husband and you don't want to hurt him You're not describing a terrible relationship, but you are kind of at a crossroad where you need to decide what you want to do. Maybe this is a wake-up call where you can decide to put more effort into your marriage. And if you do, I think it would become, you know, probably even stronger and more satisfying than before. But I imagine right now you feel lonely And it's easy to daydream about someone else. With your marriage, what are you getting out of it now? Because I know it's kind of a cliche, but you only get out of it what you're putting in. I guess um, that's an interesting question. I, uh, (laughs) I know that I always have someone in my corner. I mean, the guilt has taken me where I do tell my husband, I flirted with someone. And this is how it made me feel. And he's very accepting of it, which almost is bothersome. (laughs) Was he accepting or was he tired? You know what I mean? He's got to be exhausted. And he has to be feeling guilty that he's not, you know, being the husband that he imagined that he would be because he is spending the majority of his day feeling really shitty about himself. Mm -hmm. It's hard to love when that happens. I do want to feel like there's more and that I'm not done growing. You know, I don't have any good, you know, examples of relationships in my family. I don't think so. I know what not to do, but this is different territory that is not talked about. You're right. And, you know, feeling flutters 
from elsewhere. You and your husband are both still really young, and you have a lot of growing to do and learning about each other. And it sounds like it's on you to initiate the conversation of what you both want from your relationship your, your and your marriage and what you would like to change. And if he sees you putting in that effort, I think it will make him feel loved and safe. Even if you just ask him about work at first, but you can't, uh, you can't accuse him when you talk about the effects of his work environment. You can't be reactionary, you know? It might feel pretty unrewarding for a while because I think you are used to certain patterns of communication. But see how he reacts to your generosity. It might take a while. I'm not saying to ignore it if something he says hurts you. Just try to be understanding of where it's coming from. It might have nothing to do with you. And if he comes home from that negative work environment and sees you're there for him and you want to help him, I think he will start to see you as sort of a sanctuary. But it will be hard not to react and just attack back. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to be reactive and just react in the same way and give back what I'm getting. Totally. And, you know, no matter what happens with your marriage, it's really good, I think, healing for you. It'll help you to be generous and you'll find it becoming easier. But it will be hard at first. Okay, don't lose your temper. It'll be really hard at first. But make sure to have that conversation at length before. And then I do also really want to reiterate the idea of just practicing not beating yourself up, you know? Yeah. Well, there's no answer to stop my flirting. Uh, well, seems. yes. Yeah, there is. There is. And it's decisiveness, I think. Because flirting does feel wonderful. Did your husband find out about it? Was he witness to it? Did he like... I told him about maybe one or two occasions. Well, of how it. did he react? I think he internalized it a lot. That's what it felt like, you know, or, you know, maybe he was tired, but he just says that I'm a flirty person and that it's fine if nothing comes of it, you know. Would he get jealous in the past? Not really. That's interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, not that I think it's healthy. I don't. I know. And there are different levels of flirting. And I guess it has to do with intention, you know, and what's behind it. The fact that you felt this guilt kind of says it wasn't just like social convention. And you felt like you had cheated in a way because it was something outside your marriage. Fred, from a man's perspective, what are your thoughts on flirting? It's different for everybody. It's such an accepted part of life in general that even the word, I think, has like a lightness to it. You know, when we hear people talking about it and the fact that you guys could have that discussion and it didn't seem to, you know, be an explosive discussion. So, you know, it's different for every person. And I mean, it's not like, an, a, you know, a brilliant thing to say, like, you know, that everyone's different. But that is a real case of that where like, some people, it's acceptable and fine, and some people do get jealous, and that's how I feel about it. Yeah, if, like, you witnessed your partner flirting, and it was like, for that moment, maybe you didn't exist, it wouldn't feel good. 
And I guess jealousy is kind of a defense mechanism for that kind of hurt. And it builds up to where you try to make excuses for the feeling and not let it bother you. When is the next time you'll see your husband? He's gone for three weeks. Oh, man. (laughs) So my mind goes wild. Yeah, you're lonely. Okay, I wonder if maybe can you reach out to him and put in the same energy, the daydreams, just let him know you were thinking about him and that you can't wait to be together. Yeah. Is this a lifelong job for him? No. The contract ends at the end of 2023. So I have an end in sight. And does he feel that too? Oh, yeah. Very ready to um, be done with the job. Okay. Sarah, here's the goal then. This will be like between you guys. Like when you're really frustrated at something, it's like December 2023, baby. Just keep that goal in mind, I think, and start to view the relationship as a team again. And of course, right now, you're lonely. God, you poor thing. (laughs) It is rough to be alone that much. Fred, you like to be alone, I imagine. I love being alone. But the other thing I was going to say is, one thing for sure that 2023 is going to be here so fast. Every time I think of something way in the future, all of a sudden it's here. It's the craziest thing. I promise you, all of a sudden you're going to be like, I cannot believe this is already here. It's like, all right, you know, we know that there's an end to this. Fred, in your opinion, how could Sarah and her husband kind of get through this time of like disconnect? Because there's an end to that in sight is really good news, as opposed to who knows when. Completely. It's the best news. It gave the whole situation kind of hope for me, actually. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. I hope, Sarah, that we have given you good advice here, or at least food for thought. I mean, you really put yourself in my shoes. You did. And everything that you said resonated with me. And it's surprising. Sarah, it's because I feel your story. I feel like I've definitely lived a version of it, you know? Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Fred, what do you think of the whole thing? I think that was brilliant. I'm struck by how much these people are talking to their significant others. It's really nice that they're reaching out to you, that they're reaching out to their boyfriends or husbands, like, that's huge. That's a huge, you know, they're trying to get some sort of clarity and help. It's hard to be vulnerable. You know, I think about these stories from the moment I read a letter to long after we talk, and I think it helps sometimes to just be able to vocalize. Yeah, it's great. You do so good. Oh, thanks. That was awesome. Fred, you are so kind. I enjoyed hearing it and watching it and Also, like, that meant a lot to those people. Just watching their faces, they were, like, really, really hearing you. So, brilliant. Fred, thank you again so, so very much. Thank you. That was great. And it's great to see you. It's great to see you, too. You're just a gem. Likewise, likewise. Bye, Fred. Bye. Bye.